Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today's episode was recorded on the ground at the CES conference in Las Vegas. As always, going to CES is an eye-opening and even overwhelming experience. For the past decade, Variety has partnered with the Consumer Technology Association to produce an entertainment-focused track of programming. Our day-long Variety Entertainment Summit on January 10th served up a powerhouse slate of executives, entrepreneurs, movers and shakers, and even a bona fide TikTok star. When we come to CES, we're on a mission to help the entertainment industry make sense of the whirlwind of change that is all around us. This episode starts with a group chat among myself, my Strictly Business co-host Andrew Wallenstein, Variety's business editor Todd Spangler, and Audrey Schomer, analyst and data editor for the Variety Intelligence platform that Andy heads. From there, we'll segue into highlights from some of our sessions at the summit. It was hard to choose just a few, which is a good problem to have. And for that, we have to thank our longtime colleague, Suzanne All, Variety's VP of Event Programming, who works nonstop, year-round, to make all of our events as strong as possible. That's all coming up after the break. Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself, but we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs 
programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I dot com. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. We're back with a special CES edition of Strictly Business. Well, here we are in the bowels of CES at the Aria Hotel where Team Variety has just wrapped a very successful Variety Entertainment Summit, a day-long affair of talking about streaming and content monetization. We had everyone from top leaders of the biggest entertainment companies on the planet to rising TikTok sensation Linda Don, who charmed the audience. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief. I'm here with my partner in crime on Strictly Business, Andy Wallenstein, president of Variety Intelligence Platform. We're also here with Variety's business editor, Todd Spangler, and Variety Intelligence Platform media analyst and research editor, Audrey Schomer. Although we're all tired, we are posted up in the hallway here, so forgive a little overhead music and perhaps some cleanup activity, but we are going to chop it up here for a little bit about what we learned and what was interesting and exciting today. I found this to be probably our best CES conference yet, and we're about eight years into this. Andy, what did you think? 
Yeah, I've been to quite a few of these and I thought it was right up there. So many learnings throughout the day. For me, what stood out, uh, sorry to be a little self-serving here, but uh, I got a chance to interview uh, the CEO of Reddit, uh, Steve Huffman, who, to be honest, don't know, didn't know going into it that much about Reddit. It was a real learning experience for me. But this is a company with a real story to tell in more ways than one. I came in a little skeptical about how a company like this competes with much bigger companies like Meta and Alphabet for digital advertising dollars, and also came in with some skepticism about the only thing people really want to know, as they've wanted to know for a long time now, is when's the IPO going to happen? And of course, I asked that question, didn't get anywhere. But where I did get some somewhere was on the notion of how this company plans to stand out. And I, I kind of understand why they really are distinctive. What they're here at CES talking about is what they call contextual relevance. And what it really boils down to is that what makes this company stand out, that is sort of their differentiator that all these other bigger companies don't do is when it comes down to it, they're not a social network. It's a place where community offers recommendations about the products that advertisers, who of course is, that's how they make money, that's what is not done by these other companies. And so, you know, Reddit is filled with these communities where people are endlessly debating, uh, you know, going very deep into the facts on all sorts of products, whether it's, you know, the entertainment stuff that people come to read about in variety, or really any sort of product in all sorts of categories. And that is what they're sort of staking their claim on. That's what they're hoping advertisers are going to reward them for. And they've had some progress over the years, and they're hoping that's going to take them to the next level. We'll see if that's what stands out for them in 2024. I think Reddit is an interesting example of, you know, their interface is basically low tech. Yeah. It looks like it's, you know, 10, 12 years old, but clearly their audience loves it. And, you know, uh, I know on the news side, I mean, Reddit is a place to go. If there's something rumbling, if you're, you know, everything from a celebrity breakup to, you know, more substantial things like, you know, some company is going to be sold or there's going to be some M&A activity. There's a lot of people that feed Reddit anonymously. And it is it is really a, a source of you, you can sort of gauge trends, but it's also it also can be a news source. Audrey, what stood out to you? I moderated a couple of two, uh, a couple of different panels, and uh, one focused on uh, how brand marketers are reaching fans. The other was focused on what content is breaking through to modern audiences. And I was really struck by, specifically, uh, how across both panels, people were referring to the popularity of of Roblox and the importance of Roblox, um, among other platforms. But in particular, um, numerous people referred to the sort of breadth of um, breadth and depth of uh, partnerships and, and other kinds of interactions on, on the platform for young people in particular. The other interesting thing that came out from the, the content panel was referring to the notion that we're facing a more budget-constrained development environment. And really the learnings that I think came out from all of the panelists there were that um, 
content development decision making going forward over the next few months or throughout the year is going to be driven by a deeper understanding of what has worked in the past, uh, whether that's IP that's already been proven out through another format or because it's a franchise that's being um, extended through another medium or um, simply paying attention to, to data that they may have access to. I was struck by, on your panel, I believe it was a Lionsgate exec who said, people, you should know that your teenagers spend about two hours a day on Roblox, and, he, and she also made the point that it's not just playing games or interacting, but just hanging out. It, it's, it's, a, it's basically a, you know, a, right, a sort of a digital watering hole for, the, for those that can't drink or shouldn't be drinking. <laughs> anyway, um, that, that, the, this is what I love about this event is because you can't, like, that in and of itself isn't a story, but it's the kind of thing that sticks in your head that you recognize it's, um, and uh, I, I think also on the content side, you, can, you definitely got a sense of the, the great retrenchment that, that people are talking about, that it's real, but you definitely, I definitely got the sense that, you know, the turn of the page from 2023 to 2024, people, there's, there's something of a reset. And yes, they may not go, forward, go forth and green light a, a drama series that's gonna cost $20 million an episode, but there's definitely, there's definitely wind behind the sails, I think. And, and after all the doom and gloom of 2023, that, that's kind of been heartening to hear. It was interesting to me to, to hear <clears throat> how optimistic the people in the room were, you know, after the strikes of last year and, uh, uh, you know, macroeconomic headwinds across the board <clears throat> affecting advertising and, and businesses in, in all sectors, really. Uh, you know, there's, and maybe, maybe it's just the new year <laughs> turning over people are prone to be optimistic, but, but I, did, I did sense that, you know, there was some feeling that, uh, you know, the, 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 a couple people said like, hey, streaming isn't cannibalizing our, our TV business, it's additive, you know, 2024 seems to be, people seem to think that uh, the things will be back on track. Um, so that, that was the one thing. The other thing, to your point about, you know, Lionsgate commenting pretty, in pretty significant detail about a platform like Roblox. I, I heard this in a number of speakers. It's just, uh, you know, this professionalization of, um, you know, savviness about digital platforms, how to work with them. Because when I first started at Variety in 2013, it, it was almost an afterthought. Studios networks would, you know, like sort of have somebody half time doing their social media or posting stuff to YouTube, something like that. And today it's, 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 very, it's very much a discipline and it's very much a business. And, and I heard that um, several times today. Utterly ingrained in everybody's, yeah. everybody's plans, not just as, oh, here's the marketing adjunct, but right. this is part of it. And I mean, this is not just at this conference, but you know, TikTok is such a paradigm shift where, it's, where com content companies, please, please take my content and change it up or put, put something on it, you know, don't pirate the whole thing, but please take, take my show because that's, that's become the gauge of is this thing, is this show, is this title, is this star resonating? How many, you know, the metric of TikTok videos. And, and it's crazy. And think about what a contrast that is to when Viacom filed a billion dollar lawsuit against YouTube, if you remember that. Uh, they said, hey, you're stealing our, our Comedy Central content. You know, you're posting South Park 
clips without our permission and take them down. Like it's a it's a big sea change from that from those days. Well, clearly Viacom's strategy of suing their way to success that was <laughs> that was a bang up job. We're actually going to talk about that in in a minute, but. Um, I also, in just in general, of course, you can't walk around here without hearing AI, AI, AI. That is Audrey's areas of expertise. As a, as a virtual Luddite, I will say that this, this time around, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to talk to people that are talking about a specific thing that a, an AI tool can do. And I'm, you know, they're building this specific platform to create low-cost television advertisements, or there's more specifics around it. So for my brain, it's easier to get my head around, okay, that's that's what it could be, be used be. It feels slightly less menacing, although that could change in a minute. Well, a lot of the, the panels today, that at least that I witnessed, um, you're hearing a lot, well, some of the experts anyway were, were speaking to machine learning uh, applications. I know, Todd, you... Um, spoke to someone who was who was uh, talking about the the applications of machine learning that is years and years old for content recommendations on platforms um, and that's not necessarily new but it is um, it, it does matter essentially for for the success of, of any content business um, but what's new of course is is generative AI and some of the applications there. My takeaway from that, um, among other things, was just that some of these tools where they're used for, uh, let's say, like VFX, supercharged VFX, or um, film production use cases in general. And then there was another um, expert, I think the CEO from Entertainment Arts, referring to just the the huge acceleration of using generative AI in game development and some of those processes, um, really just making things that much faster for game development, um, all the way from ideation through to production processes and testing and um, some of those kinds of applications really starting to emerge. Um, uh, and the idea that some of those processes that now take you know something like six months in a development uh, phase now could take six weeks and, and could uh, further accelerate to take only just a few days. So um, there, there were references to things like that, um, but on the, on the flip side, there were references to the idea that this kind of um, ubiquitous access to some of these generative AI tools will have repercussions um, broadly for humanity. We're not talking just <laughs> yeah. about like, um, each, you know, film and TV production or business use cases, while those will be um, actually a little bit more sanctioned or circumspect, people will be, you know, paying attention to how regulators are, are taking charge of these things. Um, and they won't necessarily want to go out of, out of certain bounds, um, but at the same time, um, once, once everyone has access to these tools, there's a democratization effect that um, some of the panelists were referring to and how um, potentially challenging that will be for everyone to deal with. Yeah, yeah, there continues to be this real conspicuous dichotomy about sentiment toward AI, right? On the one hand, wow, we can really make our ad targeting better. It can make our content recommendations like super precise, ideally. Um, or it could, you know, to your point about democratization, 
Like it can let people who don't have access to a 200 person visual effects team create something really amazing. But it's also, you know, like, like any technology, like the internet, right? There's, there's pros and there's cons. There's, there's some bad stuff that has come with the internet for sure, right? But um, it's, it's also been extremely beneficial and created brand new industries. Um, same with social media, right? It's, it's been a, a great thing for a lot of people to connect and a great thing for media companies to connect with their audiences, but it also has a lot of, there's a lot of negative stuff there. So I think AI is really, and generative AI, you know, in particular, is very much in that inflection point of like, boy, we're scared to death of it, but we're really excited about what it could do. Well, while we were talking and waxing a little bit about AI on the East Coast in Congress, there were some people were making a very strong case, the New York Times and other media companies making a very strong case that, hello, AI uh, platforms, you can't just ingest every article that we've ever produced. That's not really cool. And so the, the, the tension here is just, it's gonna, this is definitely going to be one of the stories of the year. So, Audrey, you will have no shortage of things to write about. Yeah, By no, the way, Joe Biden, President Biden said that he was inspired to issue the executive order saying they were going to create an a, a framework for regulating AI after he saw the latest Mission Impossible movie, where it's one of the central plot points, not to give anything away, mm -hmm. but it's this autonomous, uh, sentient AI thing that has the potential to like, subvert all governments in the world. And of course, it's... Tom Cruise flick, but it scared Biden enough that he was moved to, to act. On Tuesday of this week, at the AFL-CIO and SAG-AFTRA have for years hosted a labor conference that kind of piggybacks on CES and the, the idea, their, their vision is let's put people and labor at the center of technology. And in that discussion, it, it was very, it was very removed from our discussion and there is a, there's a focus on union and labor leaders on putting parameters and, and guardrails around AI. And I don't, don't in the slightest mean to be dismissive or, or diminishing what many people see as the threat to jobs. But as I, as I sat and listened, I just, it, it, it felt to me like putting toothpaste back in a tube. Like how do, you, how do you really effectively do those guardrails? Well, Congress and the federal courts and the best lawyers that everybody can buy are gonna sort those out in the next couple of years. Well, I know we all have things we wanna do. It's, it's Las Vegas and we've all worked hard, so we're gonna go have a little fun. But the last thing I do wanna just riff on a bit is there's also, you can't escape, there's a lot of M&A chatter in the marketplace right now. People that were, you know, media folks that were at our panel were talking about Paramount Global and NBC Universal and Warner Brothers Discovery and the fact that no, the path for any of these companies is not entirely clear is, makes it, makes it a very fraught time. Yeah, I mean, it's all everyone is talking about here, but I'll tell you something though, to, to be a little bit jaded, I can't remember a CES when it's not like <laughs> this and that I'm not chasing these rumors down. And so, I mean, of course, I'm not gonna bet against, especially given we're literally talking 
having this conversation just hours after we're seeing news about Skydance, um, you know, literally going forward to uh, make a move on Paramount. Clearly, M&A is in the air in a big way, but I cannot remember a CES where I have not been chasing down rumors about M&A uh, and that taking place in previous years where the air was thick with speculation and yet nothing would happen in those years. And so CES is always a time for me to, and I'm talking more broadly than just M&A, where I kind of have to put a check on myself about hype, uh, about trends. I mean, I think last year I was here and people were talking about the metaverse and NFTs and here we are a year later and it's like those things disappeared. There are certainly arguments for and against industry consolidation. Um, it does seem like something is going to happen. What, what form and shape that takes remains to be seen and you know there's a lot of debate over the strategic rationale for any of these kinds of combinations. You know, for years, like, to your point, Andy, like, when is a big tech company gonna buy a media company? We haven't seen that, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, that's kind of been in the wind for, for many years. Um, who knows, right? Does Apple need to buy a big content library to bulk up Apple TV Plus? Yeah, that makes sense. Will it happen? I don't know. <laughs> They certainly have enough money to do it, and that's the one thing that um, you know industry analysts are saying is, is you know would make that an attractive potential deal is that they've got very clean balance sheets for the most part and a lot of cash, and the media companies would be, would certainly be able to pay down their own debt if they took some of that cash. It's been interesting to see the, fortune, the fortunes of media and big tech kind of converge and change. And all, all I know is as soon as we write definitively that Apple will never buy a studio the next day, that's when it's going to happen. Um, well, I think once, one thing is interesting is that, to your point, they really is usually an M&A, you know, bankers, everybody stands to make a little money, everybody's cheerleading it, yes, you know, they really want to push it forward. This time around, the response to the chatter about is Warner Brothers Discovery looking at Paramount Global? Is Warner Brothers Discovery looking at Paramount Global to get NBC Universal to the dance? Mm. All of that stuff, and the, the reaction has kind of been, to what end? Yeah. I mean, people have thoughts that you know this would be better with that, or that, that would be a better fit with that, but there hasn't been like, oh, that's obvious, that makes sense. No, and the stock prices of both companies went down right. after the initial reports. Once again, our crystal ball might just be a little hazy, but we do our very best and work hard and co cover this business to the best of our abilities. Don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss the highlights from Variety's Entertainment Summit at CES. We'll be right back after this pause for monetization. Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself. But we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs 
programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I.com. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. And we're back with highlights from Variety's Entertainment Summit at CES 2024. First, we'll start with a panel that got a lot of attention because we brought together the advertising chiefs of Disney, Warner Brothers Discovery, Netflix, and NBC Universal for a candid discussion about media monetization, something everyone in Hollywood should care about. We'll hear first from Disney's Rita Farrow, followed by Warner Brothers Discovery's John Steinloff, NBC Universal's Mark Marshall, and Netflix's Amy Reinhardt. Where is the money? Where is the advert? <laughs> Where are the You ad- sound like my boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I must be, then that's a good, hitting on a good question. No, but in all seriousness, obviously it's been, a, it's been in, just in terms of pure, we're going to talk about other forms of monetization, but just in in terms of pure where the rubber meets the road on advertising sales, it's been a tough couple of quarters. I think everybody everybody would agree that it's been a tough couple of quarters. So what is your hunch? Are there marketing dollars that are being expressed in other ways, in other small slices rather than traditional, traditional old-fashioned spot television? Is it being expressed in other experiences? Or do you think that marketers are just holding their powder for another time 
to, you know, for, for a time later when they feel like maybe consumers, the, the recession clouds, whether there will be or won't be, when those part a little bit and consumers are ready to spend. Would really love your thoughts on where you think the money is that doesn't seem to be flowing through the ecosystem like it has been. Um, I'm happy to start, if that's cool. Yeah, yeah? yeah great. You go um, so I think... <laughs> thank you, Mark. <laughs> I think um, what you have seen is there are pockets where the money has flowed. Sports is a great example of that. We saw growth in sports. I think every one of us on the stage um, would agree to that. Uh, I think the other area is you're seeing that this past year you've had how many fast channels launch in the marketplace. And so there's this bifurcation of all these new products and services that are available to, for partners to come in and spend money on. But we're, we're seeing growth in streaming advertising dollars as well, where you are seeing absolutely a compression of pricing as well as demand is in, linear, in the linear businesses. And, you know, when you have a portfolio like ours where it's at scale, branding and performance, we're able to move those dollars to the platforms that matter. And I do think, yes, the first three quarters of the year were really tough. But I would also say probably you're going to hear from this, this group that you saw a, a, a slow comeback in Q4, 23. And I think we're starting to see some momentum in the areas that really matter from a global perspective around streaming and sports continuing to be strong this year. The marketplace for us as three connected markets, sports, streaming, rest of linear. And in our case, rest of linear at WBD means cable networks. And sports is up, and it's a linear business, and it's up, which is really saying something. Streaming is way up, and the rest of linear is where we're challenged. And we're working to try to reverse that. But there's a lot of headwinds in the rest of linear world. And, and to answer your question about where is the money going, we're a big advertiser too. I mean, we're a top 20, Warner Brothers Discovery is a top 20 advertiser. So we, we look at this all the time with our agencies. And, you know, we think interest rates, you know, being up as high as they've been, they went up so quickly last year. I think a lot of marketers, CFOs are saying maybe we're better off holding our money for a while. Now we see them coming down. So... We're hoping for a better 24. The first time that uh, the first summer games where Peacock will have every event live. Uh, and so that's about 7,000 7, hours of programming. So to put that in context, you basically have about 10 and a half months of content that happens, you know, within 17 days. So uh, there are obviously brand opportunities within that. But these games being over in Paris, it's also interesting as much as we enjoyed uh, South Korea, um, Tokyo, and Beijing, and the last two with no fans in the audience, the fact that we're going to get to go to Paris, and Paris will be the backdrop, it'll be part of the storytelling, uh, opening ceremonies with the teams going down the Seine River uh, into the stadium, having beach volleyball uh, next to the Eiffel Tower, equestrian at Versailles. You're going to have surfing in Tahiti, uh, it's going to be a phenomenal backdrop to be able to tell the story. And I think in our country and probably the world, the Olympics is that one thing that kind of brings us all together. So whether you're a Detroit Lion or Bills fan, doesn't matter. We're all fans of the Olympics and the U.S. team as we get to the Olympics. Amy, can you talk about what I know Netflix has gone to market with in a, in a kind of a different fashion and has sure. different metrics. Can you talk about what are, what is important to Netflix and how they've been received by Madison? Yeah, Avenue? sure. Um, look, I think we're very fortunate to um, 
be able to kind of take a long-term perspective on this, right? So we've been very vocal that sort of um, member choice and member experience is very important to us. So scaling our business is absolutely our, our biggest priority right now, but we want to make sure that we're doing that in a meaningful way for the member. So to your point, yes, we have made the choice on sort of ad loads that we will have a lighter ad load experience. Um, and we, we're all about, we know there's a lot of work to do on our side, but we're all about learning and iterating and working with our advertising partners to figure out how do we grow this business in a meaningful way? How do we keep our members engaged? How do we keep the focus on the content? Because we think we bring a lot of great content um, to the platform. Uh, and how can we just continue to, uh, to learn and grow um, off of that that experience. Andy Wallenstein did a one-on-one -on -one with Reddit chief Steve Huffman. Huffman outlined growth plans for the brand that is more than just a website, but not quite a social media network. Here, Huffman explains how Reddit is pursuing growth through e-commerce. Where this this recommendation-centric, contextual, relevance-centric strategy, how does this play in this world that we're in now in terms of this uh, uh, the demise of the cookie era does it does it have a special place there absolutely like the idea is if you're using context to make those connections to do the targeting you don't need cookies mm -hmm. and so on reddit we target with first party data when you're on we see your behavior on reddit and we use that so we don't have to cookie you all over the internet and watch what you're browsing and reading and searching for and all of those things it's your explicitly expressed interests on reddit and so I think, you know, that the cookie transition that the industry is going to go through, it's, it's, you know, it presents some challenges. But I think the platforms that will do best through that will be the ones that uh, rely on, on first-party data, and we're one of those. Speaking of e-commerce, one of the most interesting sessions for me was Todd Spangler's sit-down with TalkShop Live founder and CEO Brian Moore. Moore confidently declared that the future of retail is media. I think he's right. You told me that you, you created a branded content unit last yeah. year, and you're working with um, companies like Netflix, Paramount, um, to do shoppable series. Yeah. And as well as Walmart Connect, I think, is in your program. Yeah. What, what does that look like? How is that different from the sort of talent-led program? Yeah, so, so the talent-led, you know, our gateway categories were books and music. People were coming on. They were selling between three and nine times their online pre-orders. Wow. Right? Then when we started working with the retailers and really driving product and really driving, you know, you know affinity for brand connection, brand awareness, brand loyalty, and as, as these advertisers started, you know, driving into retail media and investing in retail media, the next step was how are you creating the, re the actual experience behind that. And that's where what we've done by, you know, our, our branded content division has been exploded, exploding over the past year, right? Because we service all of these retailers and these brands in a way which is really making them content creators, you know, creating content. Like, I think I was reading something on LinkedIn the other day from Todd Kaplan, CMO of Pepsi, right? And he was talking about how it's so critical now, right, to break through the noise with true content. And I think as we look to the future, you know, you as someone that covers digital but also works in media, when you look at the future of retail as media and you start to think of like, okay, in a few years, retailers will be having their own programming. You know, people will be going there to watch a cooking show and shop from the cooking show right there, but also yeah. distributed 
everywhere. So your model, I mean, it's not stovepiped where you do fulfillment and order transaction processing. You, you can do that. We can do that. And well, the thing is, with Talkshop Live, we're integrated with our retail yeah. partners. So every product available at those retailers can be available within his Talkshop Live. Todd also spoke with TikTok comedy star Linda Dong. Here, she explains how her 17.7 million followers and counting help her turn TikTok videos into cold, hard cash. So, so you tell me, how do you approach brand deals? And just to let the audience know, there's a link in your TikTok bio to Domino's, which is, which is a paid sponsorship, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, with brand deals, I, I'm under a management um, click now. We've been together for nine years. And so with any business or brands, they kind of come to them and they facilitate the whole branding and whatnot. And that's, and that's where you generate your income, right? Through those kinds of deals. What, what kinds of deals do you turn down or what are off-brand for you? Ooh. Have you turned any down? I have. I'm trying to... Yeah. Like, how do I... Like, what, where do I say it so it's like... If it's, if it's just, inauthentic. Yeah. Just anything risque. Oh. I'm like, no, I don't know if I could do that for my audience. Because I have, a, I have a, a young audience as well. I don't want to like, have anything to, I don't know, make them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> and I'm being very, very vague, but I don't want to like, say too much. Audrey steered a panel of marketing mavens who also weighed in on what it takes to build a brand from scratch these days. We'll hear from Mike Stein, executive VP and head of television and audio, for Kevin Hart's production company, Heartbeat. We're basically living in an era of unlimited content choice. Um, And so my question would be, is it possible anymore for any content to be um, created that reaches a broad audience or that, you know, uh, you know, automatically achieves that um, when it's released? Or um, alternatively, how could you see that niche content becomes um, a bigger, a bigger possibility in the future? I mean, look, I think it's important to do both, you know, with Heartbeat, um, you know, we obviously strive for the broadest, you know, possible audience in a lot of cases, you know, we got Lyft coming out on Netflix, you know, this week, that's, you know, hopefully going to be a very big global hit, right? At the same time, we produce a show called Dave for FX, which, you know, has been incredibly successful, ton of critical acclaim, does extremely well for FX, extremely well for Hulu. You know, that is a fairly niche show, but it hits that audience in such a way that it really resonates, and so I think, you know, across the board, as, you know, the audience has become more dispersed, you know, I think it's important to kind of like play on both sides of that spectrum. Our keynote speaker this time around was someone I have known for a long time, Roku Entertainment President Charlie Collier. I asked him to give the elevator pitch for why Roku stands out in a sea of streaming options. Here's the deal. If you turn on your television, here, go with me and say, you believe television now is an experience. It's not just you turn on your TV and go to your show or go to that network. Actually, you mentioned Food Network. In the world of cable, there was only enough bandwidth for one Food Network. So once you made basic cable, think about how easy it was to market a brand in the world of basic cable. There was only one Food Network. So guess what? Food Network, well-named, was the one, or Home and Garden, or ESPN. In the world of the internet, there's no bandwidth constraints. So as I showed you, our job is to, if you want to watch Hot Ones, which I did and somehow it knew, I got to go watch the Pete, David, uh, Pete Davidson episode of Hot, Hot Ones. And it was sitting next to, I was watching Next Level Chef, which is Gordon Ramsay. And it said, do you want to continue watching or do this? And so all of a sudden, it's an event for me as the viewer. 
to go find the shows I want. And it could sit next to, we have a show coming up. We announced it today. Uh, did, you, did you see it's it? You Chain all, Fest. It's called, well, it's called Chain. And it, it, it's, it's really exciting production. Think about this in the context of what we just showed. So Chain, which is produced by a couple of guys sitting over there, Davis and Kraft. Uh, BJ Novak from uh, The Office is, is behind Chain. And think about this. We all have our favorite fast food chains. Imagine if they took your favorite dish from your favorite fast food chain and put it in the hands of a world-class chef. What would they do with it? And these guys, because pop culture is everything, it doesn't just happen on the show. Chain Fest, which you refer to, became a who's who event. So there was John Legend and Christy Teigen, and there was you know Chris Pratt, and they were all sampling the dishes of uh, uh, Tim Hollingsworth and uh, Tim who yeah who used to work at French Laundry, and he's putting you know maple bacon on a donut. It's really it's pretty great. There you have it, listeners. I hope you enjoyed this quick tour of Variety's CES Entertainment Summit as much as we loved hosting it. Our thanks to all of our panel participants and the sponsors who made the day possible. The Trade Desk, Amazon Ads, Talk Shop Live, Deloitte, EY, Nagra, and Samsung Ads. And thank you, as ever, for tuning in to Variety's Strictly Business. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.